today's story, well, today's interview, really, starts near Lake Hartwell. But uh, in Georgia, if I'm right in my research, we'll see coming up. But the most important part about this story is all about radio. You'll see exactly what I mean. Come along. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you're about to hear will be focused, of course, on lifting you up, giving good advice, hearing the stories of an amazing radio pro, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. Many local broadcasters today are discovering that they need programming services, and we help them find out that those services are more affordable than they've ever been. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being a programming partner who can fully develop the right position for any local brand or brands, coach local morning shows and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales, and promotional ideas that move the revenue needle and more. We are confidential and market exclusive for radio. If you've got a problem that gets in the way of your revenue, a problem that gets in the way of your ratings, reach out anytime for that free consultation, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. How can we help you? Today's live event will be a podcast called The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and will become available soon after the end of this live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and Just Joe Productions for uh, JustJoeProductions.com, I should say, for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Meet our guests live on Clubhouse, or you can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere you get your podcast. What's about to happen on this live event or this podcast episode, if that's how you choose to listen, Brent Johnson is with us, the morning show host and program director of 93.1 The Lake in Columbia, South Carolina. Before we get to Brent, I, I want to share next Monday's preview with you just a little bit on the Radio Rally. We do have a great treat. Nicole Murray, 94.3, The Point, Midday Air Personality, Town Square Media in New Jersey. We're going to be talking with her about what's going on in that market. And of course, what's happening at the point. I think you'll get it. Of course, we do have many guests. Uh, every single week, we have a guest here on the Radio Rally. You can see our full forward-leaning guest calendar all the way through. Uh, we're beginning to schedule in August 2022 right now in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. By the way, uh, that is also where you can learn more about our upcoming Q3 sales event, including special guests to help you squeeze more sales out of what's left of 2022 and prepare for a great 2023. Tell, tell your sales manager and your market manager, also uh, any salespeople that you like on your team, about our July 7th event, 4 p.m. Eastern. We also have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series and more encouragement for local radio sellers with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone 
in radio today. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some other consultants do. No uh, harm, no foul on them, but we believe in the theory of abundance. So go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime. See what you can get for free from our team. Today is a guest, somebody, look, today's guest is somebody that I've known for a long time, have had a lot of respect for for a long, long time. He has spent a, a a long time himself getting to know the capital city of South Carolina. And uh, he is also somebody who has crossed the street in that city, as we say in the radio business, that should give us a very unique perspective and a different unique view of the Columbia, South Carolina radio market. But uh, listen, if my research is right, this whole story started out near the Georgia, South Carolina border. And uh, this individual attended the University of Georgia Go Bulldogs. So, Brent, uh, tell us, uh, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. You're a busy man. That was quite the open there. <laughs> well, I, I try to stay busy, and we try to talk to a lot of radio people as well. And... Uh, and we enjoy it because you can learn something. Uh, you learn something in every one of these broadcasts, I can assure you. Let's start with you back at Hart County High School. What kind of student were you? <laughs> well, I would say good enough. I, okay. I, uh, I, I aced what I found interesting, but, uh, but see, my junior and senior years, I was already doing radio. So I was already, oh, already had, yeah, I already had the radio bug. But I actually started radio in Elberton, Georgia, which is about 20 miles from Hartwell, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I continued to work in Elberton after we moved to Hartwell. All right. All right. So let's back up just a little bit more then. Um, when did you get your first inkling about radio? Oh, you know, I want to be on the radio. When did that happen? How did you was, get that first job? I was a child. I, I, I was like eight years old and I, I, I had two passions, still do, music and sports. And all that came out of my radio when I was a kid. Yeah, little WSGCAM in Alberton, Georgia. Uh, and a guy named Lewis Sherbert ran that and he also was the uh, local newspaper editor. Uh, the Alberton Star. Well, that's but, interesting. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, I, I just got a passion for it. My sister had a little turntable, and I had one, and I learned how to put them together. And I took the newspaper and I'd read the weather. I started practicing when I was eight. And of course, the legendary Larry Munson called Georgia football games on Saturday, and I'd get up early Saturday morning, go out at the yard by my football, and wait for Larry Munson to call Georgia footballs before everything was on TV. Was, I remember you know, that. I remember that as hunker down, Harry Dog. Yeah. And, and I would later get to work with him, which which was a dream of mine. Wow. But but uh, anyway, I started. I used to bug the DJs on on WSGC and a guy named Mel Stoball, who I later would work with. But uh, anyway, I kept calling Lewis Sherbert, the the manager, when I was probably ten, and and say, I, I want to be on your radio station. And he's like, Yeah, you're too young for that. But he he did let me. When I got middle school, write some uh, sports columns and cover some like middle school sports and stuff for him and all that stuff. And then um, when I turned 15, I stayed after him and he said, and I was a big Braves fan too, and they ran Braves games on the station. And my first job for him was just running the board for Atlanta Braves baseball. And we did the ID live at the top of the hour, this is before automation. That and was I would a moment. Yeah, I would practice that the whole hour, every hour, and I'd hope it would go extra innings so I could get a fourth or fifth ID in. Uh, 
But uh, anyway, he gave me gave me a shot, and I started working there. And when I uh, when we moved to Hartwell, um, I, I I worked I think three nights a week, mainly running Braves games. Uh, but then I started talking on the air, and then uh, my senior year I was doing afternoon drive there. Oh man! So listen, so this is really a protracted series of events in which you pestered this guy for five at least five years yeah yeah I, I stayed after him and he was always very kind he was a very gentle man and uh, uh he was also a local banker and uh just i mean he, he saw that i really wanted to this, do are there statues for this guy around <laughs> there, there are not be. I found out something so disappointing recently. I wanted to go back and thank him about 15 years ago. Oh, I wanted no. to find it, and I was errantly told by two different people that he had passed away. Oh. And I, but it turns out he just passed away like two months ago, and that devastated me because I never, I could have because you had your chance. Him. Yeah, but I was told that he he was gone, and but oh. uh, so I never. But I, I think many times along the way, though. Yeah. All right. So. So listen, um, before we really talk about you, which we already have a little bit, so it's exciting when we get somebody who starts at like eight, ten years old. Uh, tell us about your parents. What did they do? Well, uh, my parents, uh, my dad is an odd combination here. He was a full-time Pentecostal holiness preacher, so I'm a PK, preacher's kid. But oh, he also, yeah. but in addition to that, he also worked for the federal government, Southeastern Power Administration, uh, wholesale electric sales in uh, Elberton, Georgia as well. So very busy man. My mom was, for the most part, a stay-at-home mom. Also was an LPN uh, for some of her life. But um, yeah, preacher's kid. Okay. And so I got to ask about the whole radio thing because I see you coming at it eight and 10 years old and certainly parents will feel differently about that than they will at 15 or 19 or 20. What did your parents think of this? I think they thought it was cute that early, but then when I really was, wouldn't let it go. Um, my mom always wanted me, she's the safe route. She always wanted me to get a steady job at the post office. You get a job at the post office, what she used to tell me. Now, my dad, I don't think was in love with the idea of me doing radio, but he sacrificed a lot. He would drive me when I was 15, he would drive me from Hartwell to Elberton to the station on Saturdays and Sundays when I worked there. And when I was 16, I, I, Lloyd, I, I don't remember if this would have been when you had started radio yet or not, but you had still had to have the uh, class three license. You had to take the test for it. And my dad drove me to Atlanta when I was 15 years old and I took elements one, two, and nine. I passed one and two, which was pretty easy stuff. I've never studied harder for anything in my life than for this test, but element nine was the math before, you know, we had all the electronic devices to do the meter readings and everything like that. And I barely failed it the first time. But then when I was 16, he drove me back there again and I passed that and got my, I still have the little certificate. I'm not going to tell you who, but you'll have to go back and listen to last week's episode because it's scary how similar you two are oh, okay, uh, cool. in this way. So, listen, I want to know, what is it you think, as an eight-year-old, really attracted you to radio? What, what was it? It was, again, music and sports, and that's where it was coming from. I mean, back then you had, you know, one ABC game of the week, college football, you know, the Braves might be on one national broadcast. I mean, everything was based on coming out of that radio. I was also a musician. I learned to play piano and later we're going to be in bands and stuff. And uh, that, that really was it. It was just, uh, it was right there. And, and the idea that I could call the DJ 
and request songs. And this was, by the way, at the time, an MOR station. So it was playing everything from... <laughs> it, it, was, it was like everything from Montevati to Pointer Sisters. And uh, I, I, But I listened to it, and I would call him, and I'd, I'd bug him. and They knew it was me. I was probably the only one that called such a little station. But uh, I, w- I was like, I, I'm talking to the guy who's talking on the radio, and it just thrilled me. Yeah, right. Well, listen, uh, I don't know about you, but I love the Andy Griffith show. And yes. I know I'm, I know I'm not alone in this, but sometimes I swear to you as I've gotten older, I look back at that show and I think, what what in the hell were these people doing back? They didn't have any work to do. They didn't have any work to they never go to work, you know, they never do it. What what's happening? They have so much time. And you're describing, essentially, I'm going to assume, somewhere around 1980, 82, somewhere in there. And it sounds like you're talking about the Andy Griffith Show. Well, I mean, Elvis, you know, Elvis, I, no, let me say it this way. A millennial listening to this would be like, what do you mean one ABC game of the week? What? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, in um, that town, Elberton, Georgia, was a very interesting town. It was totally, and still is, based around the granite industry. They called themselves the granite capital of the world. Not sure if that's mm-hmm. true or not. But uh, everything was built around the granite industry there. And we lived on one of the granite, uh, the, one of the roads that led to the granite quarries. So there was always these giant dump trunks going by all the time. So it wasn't a sleepy town. It was actually pretty loud. And... Uh, but there was a lot of money in that town because of the granite industry. Well, so there had to be part of you subconsciously that went, I got to get to the radio station because I don't want to be in one of those dump trucks. <laughs> so probably so. so if, if, in those days, did you have a career in mind radio? In other words, what was the goal for you? Yes, it was radio. And initially it was, uh, to do something with Georgia football and, uh, and, and then go on and work in Atlanta, the big city, you know, the big city dream that I think a lot of people had early Absolutely. on. Yeah. That, but that was the goal. It wasn't to go to New York or LA or, you know, like that. It was like the tops in Georgia. That's it. That's it. I remember, uh, I went to high school my last two years in Georgia and the big goal for me was to get to Z93 in Atlanta because they were in that cool building. You know? Oh Yeah. I, and oh, I used to, anytime I went to Atlanta, I listened to Steve McCoy. Steve McCoy was the guy that, that I listened to. I think he was on Z93. Well, and, and John Young was their chief engineer and our voice talent at the radio station I worked at when I was in high school. So, so listen, you know, um, in the early days of radio for you, especially that early, who were your mentors or radio heroes? Who did you look up to? Well, obviously, the guys on that WSGC. Uh, yeah, because they were Herbert. doing it right in front of you, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's where I wanted to work. And then when I uh, ended up working in Athens, Georgia, uh, there was a PD there. Jerry Marshall took a total chance on me. And Hugh Christian, the owner there, was so cool. He, he was an odd guy, but he he was um, he knew I wasn't making any money, and then I was a student at Georgia. And he would let me do odd jobs like at his house and pay me. To do, I, I painted both of his bathrooms one, one weekend. I mean, just to, to help me out. And uh, I always appreciated that. In terms of radio heroes, Casey Kasem, you know, I was the guy that, that had the cassette player next to the radio, taping each week's Top 40, writing them down as they went. I uh, loved American Top 40. 
And when I worked at the Overton radio station, they had a, you know, you have uh, like satellite news services, and they had one called the Georgia Radio News Service, GRNS. And um, when, when they were not feeding the Georgia news down the line, they would just put it on different satellites around the nation, and they put it on Don Imus most of the time. Yes. So I got to hear Don Imus, and I was blown away because I did a lot of skit comedy at that time and voices and wrote a lot of scripts like that and everything, and I, was, I, I thought he was the best. And when, oh. when I, and when I worked for WRFC in Athens, the overnight show was Larry King. I loved his interviews and what a curmudgeon he was with the callers. It was hilarious. Oh, um, yeah. And of course, Larry Munson and the Braves guys, uh, Skip, Pete, and Ernie, uh, th those are my guys. Well, if you're in Georgia or around Georgia, you kind of got to throw that Atlanta Braves business in because otherwise oh, yeah. you're just a communist. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, you know, I would, later, I, I would later go on to work with and be close friends with a current Braves announcer, uh, Jim Powell, and I went to college together at Georgia and he was recently inducted the uh, Georgia Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame and I was there for that. Well, that must be very interesting too and especially uh, you must be a you must be a great resource for tickets too, right? You know what my son when he turned 21, not only did we go to the game, but uh, he got to go in the booth and watch Jim and and Don do the broadcast and he got to meet Don too, so that was pretty cool. Oh, I would say that that's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, I, listen, I feel like a lot of people want to know this about you uh, because we're going to take a turn here. We're going to talk about Columbia, South Carolina. We're going to talk about the work that you've done there. And I want to start with this one because I think a lot of people in radio who might flip on our podcast will be interested in somebody who's worked for a long time in one market. What is the secret to being successful in one market? Is it managing up? Is it having the best content? Is it making yourself the most valuable person you can be? Is it everything? What is it? The answer is yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is everything. You know, it's first of all, it's about really wanting to be involved, right? You know, with, with listeners and clients, and building those relationships and being real in those. And you know, I didn't decide to stay in Columbia thirty-four or however many years it's been so far but i love living here and working here it's great to raise my family here my wife mm. and i raised three kids you know and I, I was lucky you know i referenced a while ago wanting to go to atlanta yeah i was, I was fortunate enough to work part-time in atlanta i was working uh, two part-time gigs when i was between a couple of gigs i was working in anderson south carolina slam and chr 107 wans Oh yeah, yeah. So I was do, I was doing fill-in work and helping produce the Mike Benson Morning Show there, and doing parody Mike songs Benson. for him and everything. But then I was doing overnight weekends at WSBFM in Atlanta, and I'm really? so glad, yeah I had that experience and I was so glad I had it because it got Atlanta out of my system because it was not the right station for me. It was not it it, it didn't fit my personality. They were too laid back. When I do an air check with Dr. Locasio. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not cutting him down for this. He, he was just saying, I mean, I was doing my most laid back on air I could possibly muster. I mean, love songs at night kind of voice. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and he would, we do an air check when I get off the air early that next morning, he'd say, man, you're kind of puking. Uh, you need to back off. I'm like, dude, I can't possibly, unless you give me a value, <laughs> I, right. I, I couldn't do it. But, and then Anderson offered me full-time nights. Uh, and, and I chose that over full-time overnights in Atlanta, and I think 
he thought I was making a mistake, but it, it got that whole idea out of my head that I had to be in Atlanta to be in a success. So, and Anderson went great. And then I had my first opportunity to come here. You're talking about mentors. Uh, I don't remember Ed and Pam Shane of Shane oh, Media. Yeah. Well, Ed gave me my first opportunity to be a PD. And when I came Did from Anderson, really? yeah, I was only 25 years old. And he, put, and he let me PD in oldie station. So I had to rely heavily on him oh, musically. Oh, oh, oh. Well, no, wait a minute. We're not going to let you get away with that. Where was this oldie station? Here in Columbia. Are you kidding? No, before I was at B, I, I, would, I started, I helped start, I didn't start, WOMG. Uh, it was called Magic 103.1. It had been a top 40. It had been right. a Z 103. And they had me come in, and uh, Barry Brown was the general manager, and Ed and Pam uh, just uh, taught me and mentored me on how to, and I, and it, when we started this station, we had legendary air talent on the air. And here's this kid comes in, you know, talking to the Wyndham brothers and all these people that have been forever. And, sure. uh, it was, and I did afternoons and, and PD that, and Bill McElveen was the one that brought me to be after that and took a chance to be there because there's I, was the guy. I was following a Wyndham. Uh, who had been on the air like 30 years, tough sh shoes to fill, and he took a chance to leave for that. But all that just kind of fell in line because I, I think making the right choice for Anderson, it just fit my personality um, and, and started going with the things I knew knew I could be good at in the format. Well, now, now, I didn't know that you'd done the thing in Anderson, which is really interesting because uh, that radio station was really, really big. Uh, it was huge. And... But I want to go back to something because it's very important. You know, we are as a group here on Clubhouse called the Encouragers. And, and I wanted to, when I decided I was going to open my practice to, to radio, I felt like I wanted encouragement to be a big part of it. And encouragement comes in a lot of different ways. You were talking a few minutes ago about Atlanta, you know, the big Atlanta market. We all kind of have that vibe when we get into business, you know, and, and I mean, I just want to talk about fit for a minute because someone will listen to this podcast and they will hear that, Oh, I got that out of my system, Atlanta. And maybe they'll hear me talk about, you know, all the markets that I've been in, you know, you're often surprised when you get to the major markets, it may not be what you think as your aspiration that it is. Right. right? Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, it depends on the vibe of the station and the team and whether you're yes. a good fit or not. And I was just too too um, energetic for that format. Now, if I had been at the station, if I had been at WSBAM, where the Braves were at the time, and Georgia football and all that stuff. But see, that's another thing. See, I recognized early on how much I love sports and I want to be a sportscaster. So when I had a choice of working for a top 40 music station, 104 in Athens or WRFC for uh -huh. less money, I went to RFC. I got to work with, with Larry Munson. I was in charge of his production uh, sessions. So I got to work with him and I got to do high school play-by-play -play football. I did it the whole time I was at that Albert radio station. I did Samuel Albert Academy football. And then I was able to do Clark Central and Cedar Shoals high school football at WRFC in Athens, and then later in my career here in Columbia to start uh, a uh, mega FM sports station that allowed us to do high school sports. So it all tied together. Well, and, and, and it and happened in, in your a town, element, right? Yeah, yeah, in my element, where my experience lied, where my passions lie, and it wouldn't be 
uh, doing a laid-back AC delivery overnight in Atlanta. Now, listen, did you ever think, oh, you know what? I need to do sports on, on TV. No, I, I, I never had. I ended up doing some TV that was all related to radio. I would do some kind of funny commentaries mm -hmm. or, or, or things like that. It was, it was not a desire of mine. I, I loved the um, painting picture aspect yeah. of it, uh, you know, and coming up with your own phrases and things like that, especially for sports. Right. Um, I, there was never a time I thought, you know what, I, I, I want to transition to television. Hmm. Interesting. You know, the that guy loves sports, I, right? Yeah. I, I will tell you one of the things I really enjoyed, though. Uh, again, it's, it goes back to creativity and do it, sticking in to the stuff that you know you can do well. Uh, there was a, a Fox affiliate here in town, still here, but um, they used to run Saturday afternoon movies like old westerns and stuff like that. But they would hire radio talents and yeah. send a camera around with him and let him do, in my case, uh, well, you know, anything we came up with, they would run that in and out of the breaks of that Western. So I did a lot of those because that was fun and it really related more yeah. to the radio personality I was. That's interesting. Now, listen, uh, I'm going to get back to Columbia, South Carolina a little bit because some people may not be as familiar with it. Uh, you know, I've worked all the way around Columbia, but not Columbia. Right. <laughs> so, so tell us what we don't know about Columbia, South Carolina. A lot of people know about Charleston. Some people know about Greenville, Spartanburg, that area. Uh, over, you know, where that other football team is. It's probably the way you say it in Columbia, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, yeah. What's at the heart of this market, Columbia, and how has it changed over the years? Because you have been there for 34 years. Yeah. Well, state capital, of course, with the governor and the state house are. But, uh, oh, and extraordinarily hot and humid in the summertime. Or actually mm. more than the summertime. Six months out of the year, extraordinarily hot. They, they came up with a phrase, famously hot. And I'm like, why do you want to draw attention to this? But uh, it, it's true. <laughs> the, the, the good point of... Proximity is uh, you're two hours from everything. You're two hours from the beach. You're two hours from Charlotte. You're two hours from the upstate and the mountains. Um, but uh, it's um, the thing about the Columbia Metro is it's made up. Everyone sees the state house and all that stuff. It is made up of a bunch of small towns, and all of them are very unique. It adds mm -hmm. up to population size. It would make it a medium market, but. And all these areas are growing. There's a lot of people moving to South Carolina. Uh, oh, yes. And we have three interstates that intersect, and it, the, so the traffic is awful. Uh, the I-26 and I-20 interchange is nicknamed Malfunction Junction, mm. and, and it lives up to its name. So traffic's awful, not great for driving, but great for radio. And because, yes. I mean, when we... You're stuck in your car. Well, yeah, when you've been here this long and you're doing traffic reports, I can give an alternate route that Siri doesn't know. And so, But the change has been extreme growth, um, thriving arts community, development of the river districts. It has a beautiful river, and uh, they've done a great job developing that. Um, new breweries and restaurants and things like that. Now, what hasn't changed are the type of people that live here and the kind of radio you do for them. They're family-oriented for the most part. They're kind for the most part. Many go to church, and they will help out a worthy cause. Uh, I did a radiothon for many years uh, for Pebble Health Children's Hospital was a, when I was in another station. And uh, they'll give, always give you a chance, but if you lie to your listeners or make changes to what you promised them, they're done with you. 
And you that can expectation you, thing is so huge. Yeah, you can ask a few radio stations around here about that, and they'll confirm that for you. Well, listen, because you're in Columbia, and, and specifically because you're in a capital city, I'm always kind of spreading a little gospel of a few things. So we had the top guys from WTOP Revenue, the revenue side, okay, the, the market manager and the sales manager, and they were talking about their unique spin on revenue. And I don't know if you recall this, but they are the number one revenue station in the United States yeah. for radio. Okay. Well, they kind of shared how they did it on, or, or how they are doing it on our podcast. So you can go back there or have your people go back uh, because it is a capital city related thing. Now, can you tell us in Columbia, South Carolina, um, I would be interested uh, to learn about your social media, about digital in your building. Uh, are you a big set of believers there on your team and all of this? What happens? Yes, we are. I mean, social media obviously is big. I, I think the, the thing about social media is it makes it so much easier to market your station than before. Obviously, you still got the traditional boards and TV and, and other marketing tools. But I mean, you can reach a lot of people very, very quickly if you're clever about it uh, through that. Um, we we have a our station, 93.1 The Lake. It, we, uh -huh. have two, we have two stations. We have 94.3 The Dude, which is a country station. Right. 93 won the lake. And, uh, but we have a third element that is so big for our digital and it is so unique of what we can offer our business partners. And uh, that what is that? It's called coladaily.com. It's an online, local, Columbia only, Midlands only newspaper, only it's only online. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, every day it, it just covers everything that's going on in the community. Uh, no matter what it is. I mean, we have so many festivals and uh, events here. I mean, wine walks, you name it. Every well, there's weekend. so many things that are going on in a capital city. And like you said, you know, there are a lot of little communities around you. That digital paper of yours, just to be clear, is a significant revenue generator, is it not? It is, but, but the cool thing is it allows us to package it with radio. It's a digital element to our on-air signals because we go to uh, be a main sponsor of a, a festival or something like that. And just a quick side note here. Yeah. Um, one of the things we do, and, I, and you've learned this over the years, and I know you tell your clients this and everything, you don't get involved with the event to get five minutes of stage time and drive on to the next one. And we've all, do, we've all known personalities that have, they'll book four things in one day and go do the opening announcement to each one and say they were involved in all four. Sure. What we do is we get involved, we're involved with the chambers, all, we're members of all the chambers. We go to the meetings. When we propose something, we propose being involved. We're a vendor at a lot of these things, or wine walks and stuff, we help pour. We do all this stuff. I stage announce. I stay for the entire thing. Wait a minute. Uh, you're starting to sound like you are not saying you're live and local. You're doing it. Right. It, absolutely. And we are live and local. But we're going out. But then when we go and propose this, we say, okay, we'll promote this on the air, obviously. We'll be there as a vendor right. and support you. Uh, and we have this other element. We'll write a, a before article, and then we'll have a photo gallery after showing the success of this event is something that most people can't offer right so that's that and also keep in mind lloyd we the, the lake is only 2300 watts with a signal with a tower that's 30 miles outside of columbia 
So we've done tremendous. So Lexington County primarily signal, and we kill in Lexington County uh, in Nielsen. Uh, but our streaming is so important, and our streaming numbers are phenomenal. When and you promote, promote that quite a lot on the air. Oh, yeah, uh, constantly, constantly. You can take us anywhere, free app, stream us on the website, 93.1thelakefm.com. But here's the coolest thing for us is because all our clients are local, all our business partners are local, Yeah, uh, we simulcast our stream and don't charge anybody extra for it. You get exactly what's coming over the airwaves coming out of the stream. And we've worked so hard on the sound of the audio coming through the stream. you got to check it out. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, and, and it's almost like you've got a cluster of three because you've got the two FMs and you've got this digital paper as well. Absolutely. And we can and the draw digital everything. Paper, I, I'll be curious to know if you know how long has that digital paper been around? Because a lot of people will hear this and think, oh, well, they've been doing this for how many months? Oh, it's been five or six years. Absolutely. It precedes me. And, uh, and it also, not only people go to it, but we have an email. Um, we email out, I can't remember the number right now, several thousand, it's probably 13,000, 14,000 uh, subscribers to get a daily email with the headlines, and then they can click through from there. So we've got a significant database uh, there. And... But but the streaming numbers show that people are seeking out the product because they're, they're, they're so high. So the areas, you know, in maybe a little bit of northeast Columbia, some other places that might not pick it up as well, especially inside a building, they've got streaming and, and it's showing that they are, we've got the kind of product people are seeking out and our clients love it too. Well, and not to, you know, I don't want to make you uncomfortable or anything, but you've been in Columbia for a long time when it comes to the lake. People are probably seeking your morning show out. I've heard from a lot of people that followed me over. There's, there's no question. And the station did a wonderful job of um, promoting that uh, mm -hmm. with boards and stuff. The, the, you know, the old Brent's back thing where there's a picture of my back and, you know, the old, the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But um, also, I, I, you know, still had and have very good existing relationships with clients certainly with listeners and with uh, charities uh, in the community and everything. So it was a natural progression. And the station is called Feel Good Favorites. And it's basically, I mean, anything you can sing along to, every song's familiar and beloved. And that's what I started out playing here. So it kind of, um, it, it's a really uh, unique format. You know, it's suddenly become popular to uh, talk about how radio should really be supporting its personalities, which I think is a little bit makes your, you know, makes my eye twitch sometimes is what's happening <laughs> in the last 30 years. That's and now we've decided that, hey, if we want to save ourselves, maybe we should do this, which is part of the original concept of being a companion and being real with people and being a part of these communities. I, I You know, it's interesting to watch your career arc across all this time and the different people that you've intertwined with, whether it's Larry Munson or the Atlanta Braves guys or, or your original, uh, let's call it your original radio crush, the local guys there. Do you mentor others today? Or are you somebody who does that? I do. I'm currently trying to help a young man that actually he um, interned for me at the sports station before I came over to 93 Wendell Lake. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. He's trying to get back to Columbia. He's got a young family now, and uh, 
her parents are from the area and everything. So I've been working to try to get him back closer to family. We don't have anything right now. We have a very small staff right now in mm-hmm. the openings. But, but most of my mentoring has not been in, in the re- professional radio arena. It's been more personal than that, uh, kind of helping oh, wow. some of the people that work with me, for me in the past and everything, kind of balance some stuff out and, and um, make some wise decisions or um, make wiser decisions from poor choices they've made, that kind of thing. It's less about how to be good at radio, more about... Uh, how to be a good human being, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how to... Yeah. Uh, and kind of... And the, there's always a second chance around the corner. There is all... And thank God for grace, right? Yes. That's yes. what I say. So, listen, I, tell us about networking. I, I don't know if you're the guy to do this. You know, you've... You've been in that town. You certainly know from a local perspective how much networking, how how important do you think networking is in radio today, and what do you recommend that people do? I think it's very, still very important. I wouldn't say it's as important as it used to be because there used to you you'll remember uh, after the eighty ninety docket and and, and uh, expansion uh, of radio, people were just like had jobs everywhere, and they were willing to to pay your expenses to get there. And so everybody would call it somebody they used to work with and say, I need an afternoon guy that can slam it at top 40 and everything. So it's not to that degree, but there's so few openings now that's more important than ever to know somebody to where somebody, just like the guy I was telling you about, he called me, he's like, I really want to move back closer to Aiken, mm. South Carolina, which is like an hour from Columbia. And I said, I happen to know somebody in town that's probably about to make a move and got them in touch with them. They've had three interviews so far. Looking pretty good. I mean, so, yeah, it's important to, to know somebody. And if and I, I, we have so many great uh, stories from internships that we, oh, have really? had, that we have had in the building I'm in now, Midlands Media Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, that have gone on to everything from TV jobs to writing. And most of that mentoring came through the coladaily.com side because the coladaily.com writers and editors um, do our news on the radio. They do our right. headlines. And so there's an opportunity to do both if you're an intern. And we've had a great luck with that. And then we stay in touch with them. They stay in touch with us. And one of our interns got a TV job right out of college in Charleston. Well, you know, and I'm always encouraged when someone can show success and how something grows across time. Because I don't know if you've had this experience with radio, but when you start something new, people want to be like, well, how much, how much ratings and how much revenue will it have right away? And it's like, uh, do you remember when you started this station years ago? Was it number one? And they go, well, no, we had to work our butts off. And oh my God. And I go, why would your digital be different? Yeah. Why would that be different? Why wouldn't you buckle down and establish it? Right. Which they have done with Cola daily, of course. Yeah. Now listen, getting back to, well, there's just not that many jobs as there used to be. (laughs) Uh, If somebody, and you know, you talked about, you've got a small knit staff there, but look, you have things that happen from time to time and you never know what's going to happen in the future. If somebody comes to you looking for a job today, what do you look for there in Columbia? What do you look for that you go, okay, this is the kind of person I need. This is the kind of, this is what I need. 
Well, first let me uh, tell you one other thing the station did, and it plays into what you just asked me. Okay. Uh, I, it's not just me at 93.1 The Lake. What they did it was brilliant. They brought in for middays Michelle Renew, who for the longest time, there was a wonderful local 100,000-watt Christian radio station that owned the market for years, WMHK. Well, they got mm-hmm. b- bought out by K-Love and went all syndicated, and Michelle right. became available. So they put her on middays, and she does a lot of great copywriting for us and a great production voice for us, which we all do. And we we farm out the rest. That's another job mm-hmm. on radio that you can do. And then the former afternoon guy at uh, where I was before, who had been there over 20 years himself, is now our afternoon guy. So we've really filled 6A to 7P with... Uh, with names that people already have relationships with. So it would be easy from what you just asked me to say, well, I'm looking for somebody everybody already knows. Well, yeah, that's, of course. <laughs> but that's obviously not affordable and not realistic. And uh, so I want somebody that wants to cultivate. I, first of all, I want somebody that has that same energy that you and I have when we first wanted. I want somebody that wants to do radio. And radio has many more tentacles now than it did back then. Yes. And, you know, which, you know, somebody that, that understands and wants to learn and do more, you know, I can teach them audio editing and all that stuff, but somebody that maybe in school has already n- known video editing and, and how to go beyond what we're already doing. Show us how. Because one of the things we just recently started, we got a new editor for ColdaDaily.com, and she came in with video experience, and she started embedding video in the stories. Oh, and everybody got hot, didn't they? They were like, oh, I want to know how to do that. Exactly. And and when I we do a lot of client interviews, especially for events that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something else that we can do on the local level, that that, because there's nobody in New York saying, why are they still talking? Uh, I do an interview with, with a client and then they write an article about it. Then they embed the audio and possibly video of the interview into the story or that. Somebody that brings some new dimension to the table is who I would be interested in hiring. Very, very smart. So, look, you've worked for both the big companies. Well, let's call them corporations. That's what they are. Yep. And you've worked for an independent, a, a local operator. How different are they in your opinion? I love working for an independent uh, right now because um, it reminds me of what I, not Little Elbert in Georgia, but it reminds me of something like Athens or something like that. Um, you know, my boss is across the hall. So when the answer is yes, I get it by walking down the hall. And then when the answer is yes, it happens in two days instead of two months. It's right. just he and I or she and I. Uh, the Stovers, uh, Keith and Marie are, are my owners. They're wonderful people. And I have a saying uh, that about local radio that I want to make clear for anybody who's never heard my station. It's a professional radio station. It's a quality product. It's mm-hmm. local, but it's not yokel. Local, not yokel. And my bosses were in corporate radio and CBS radio in Pittsburgh and places like that and decided to come back to where their families were, raise a family in a Columbia, a wonderful town like Columbia, South Carolina, but still do great radio without the constraints of corporate radio. So that's one thing. How we handled the pandemic, you know, we didn't have mandates, things like that, however you feel about that, but we went to local businesses and said, let us help you. You know, especially restaurants, let us help you. And it gave them 
free ads. Told people if the difference between you paying us and paying your employees, pay your employees, we'll work it out later. I mean, we were able to do things that where the corporate's like, get as much as you can before this right. thing shuts, shuts down. Right, and don't let them not pay. And don't, you know, of course. Yeah. So course, that must have made a huge impression for these stations and for Cola Daily with the local business community. Yeah, it did. Uh, we, uh, Kirk Litton used to be one of our owners, too. Uh, they, uh, the Stover's bought out his uh, portion recently because... Uh, that guy was burned out. <laughs> He'll be right back in it in some form or another. But he was one of those guys that just goes everywhere. And we have a local brewery, and he doesn't drink. And he went to the brewery regularly and just bought a bunch of beer and brought it to the station and said, "Y'all take it home." We're just trying to help them out. You know, it was that. Right. Who Who are they going to do business with in the future? But it wasn't for that reason. He really did care about them. We already have those right. kind of relationships. But you know, the little company's owners have their own money in the game. And they trust a small group of us to protect that. And, you know, I do a live and local morning show, and we need that local touch. We, we pick the music and the content that we know this market loves. So, you know, I don't have to worry about a corporate playlist. Uh, my small owners, again, already had successful careers. So I trust them. We're doing professional radio. Mom and pop doesn't mean that you're running a barbecue joint out of the back of the place, too. You know, it's... It's, uh, well, and, and let me say that. Let me ask this question, okay? Because I don't know what your experience is, but I do know that my experience has been sometimes you listen to a corporate radio station and some really uncomfortable, weird things happen yeah. that are associated with, let's call it lack of attention of detail or no attention. Absolutely. Is uh, that happening? In, does that happen in Columbia? You don't have to name names, of course. Oh, yeah, it, it certainly did. I mean, one of the reasons I'm not in the corporate game anymore was I was being replaced by a syndicated morning show that had already failed in the market before, but I knew the content was way too racy for Columbia, South Carolina. Mm. And, and then they ended up having to park it on a sister station to run out the contract. But one of the things, if I had stayed, I would have been made to cheerlead something that I knew was not going to work and that I personally did not believe in. That's tough. And, and, and if you listen to, especially people that don't pay attention to their stream, that's why I always go back to our stream, how proud I am that we're able to simulcast our stream. It's right. because the replacement ads for some of the streaming content on, in corporate radio uh, they don't, they're not paying attention. They're all male dysfunction ads and things like that. Um, it, and it's poorly done to cut off the first three or four seconds of a song and all this stuff. It just, it's just kind of spliced together, but it's certainly a lot of inappropriate content gets on the air and there's not enough people to, to police it. That's right. So look, we talk about the bad things all the time. I feel like <laughs> in radio, the, the bad things of what, what I call the consolidation era, but what about the good? What good has happened to radio in the last 30 years? Well, I mentioned uh, the 89 docket a while ago. That was when consolidation first started happening, monopolies, duopolies, all mm -hmm. that stuff. But the, the first thing it did is it increased the number of radio stations and created more jobs. Right. At least at first, it allowed more head-to-head -head competition. When you had more stations, you suddenly had two CHRs going at it, two countries going at it, you know, three album rocks going at it. That was fun. And... The, but, but the main thing is radio over the last 30 years has gone from records to carts to reels to CDs to wave files 
to being able to broadcast from your kitchen table during COVID mm-hmm. to be able to broadcast a sporting event without tying in a phone line somewhere. Right. I'd say that's pretty good. And, and those yeah. of us that have uh, kept up with that uh, are still doing it for that reason. But I, I think the technology uh, that someone could argue and make the case is cost jobs, uh, but it's also, I think, allowed us to do a better quality product now that we have competitors that are not just radio. Well, and I would say this, that if you're doing certain things by technology to improve a product, to truly, if that's truly your mission, that's a great mission. Yeah. If that ain't your mission, eh, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, especially... When it comes to expectation of listeners, if you are, you know, you talked a little bit early, early on about if you stumble with the expectation of your listener, oops. Well, our station makes a family-friendly promise, and I made that same promise at a previous stop, and I didn't break it. It was broken for me by the music selection and the, um, the clean versions going out the door, that kind of stuff. Um, once you break that promise, when one kid's in the back seat and you've told them you're, you're safe here, yeah. you don't have to worry about what you hear here. And then, uh, someone that you answer to in a different city says they hear worse stuff at school than that. It's like, no, no, that's, that's true. But the school doesn't promise that they won't hear that. I'm promising no, them that. So 93 with the lake has a, Hey, don't worry about the kids in the back seat. You're never going to hear anything. You know, and, and even if, if I come up on a, a particular topic on the morning show, or I want to talk about and I think this might be on the edge, not of dirty, but just uncomfortable or, or, or something very sensitive. Um, yeah. I'll just say, hey, if you've got kids in the sea, right, you might want to give me a couple minutes here, you know, and just keep, right. keep keep that promise going. And, because once you break it, they're done. That's right. So now we're up to the most uncomfortable of all questions. You ready? So <laughs> yeah. here we go. This is this is kind of the big one. And I let everybody off the hook. We try to ask this question to everybody. Um, nobody knows the future, of course. Everyone seems to have an opinion, though. Where do you see the future of the radio business? And, and people like us, people that are on the programming side. And uh, you know what? Let me go ahead and throw the salespeople in, too. People on the sales side, where's the future of radio? Well, it's funny because when you asked earlier about what I'm looking for in a person, we used to joke about this, and I'm sure you've heard the show before. That it's like when someone young comes and says, you know, what, what should I do if I want to be in radio? We all yell, run. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I don't mean that. Um, the future of radio, look, we have new competitors besides radio. Right? That's right. But little of it is local or unique. All right. Even putting your Spotify list together, you're going to get tired of your same songs. My job is to package it in a way that you have warmth and a companion and you know what's going on in your town and all that. If you do that, regardless of the delivery method, it's radio. All right. So we're going to have to take more chances, though. I mean, we've got some Mm -hmm. underperforming sticks that could be a great proving ground especially streaming grows and we rely less on the, the transmitter, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great testing ground and that's something we can hand over to college students or something like that. And with certainly with plenty of supervision vision, so you don't lose your license, 
But, you know, we all have some unique ideas about that. I've been trying to figure out, you know, some, some different things on, on how podcasting can still be over the airwaves and, and things like that and how to repackage it and things like that. But someone has to fund that. All right. So, yeah. so when we talk about vision, the ownerships are going to have to do that. But a lot of them, when they do that, they cut current content. And that's not going to help anything. Content's still king. Marketing has never been easier to do. There's so many avenues there. So I think radio certainly has a, a bright future if you deliver it right, if you keep coming up with unique ideas, and again, deliver on your promises. On the revenue side, I mean, there's so many things. We don't know what technology is next. I mean, now, would you believe... 15 years ago, somebody told you you would basically have a giant TV screen on your dashboard. I mean, yeah, right. what, what you put on that, the logo placement opportunities for that, the sponsorships for new, uh, I, I've got several benchmark um, segments on my show and they're all sponsored. It makes money on the local level. Mm -hmm. You can do that that way. Uh, on the corporate side, as things become more regional, they really need to keep some local salespeople in there because those relationships are why people are buying that station. It's not just... And your things. revenue will drop if you dry up those relationships. No question about it. And if you look disinterested, even if you keep a couple of people, but I'll give you an example. You know exactly where I'm going with this. We limit... We are proud to play commercials, alright? Before yep. our stop sets air, we, we have a liner that runs several of them, but the basic message is, hey, we're going to stop the music for just a couple minutes here. These are people we believe in. Please do business with them whenever you can. These are local businesses that need your your business. Mm -hmm. And and then we don't go into a seven-minute, 16-unit stop set. We what? limit. Yeah, exactly. So we might stop a third time in, in the hour to, to only have two-minute stop sets or whatever it might be. But it guarantees that the message is going to be heard. We've asked people to pay attention to it. And it tells the client, you know, after McDonald's and Lowe's and all that stuff, and your barbecue yeah. place has, has got a 30 because they can't afford the 60 rate on the big station, and it runs uh, 13th out of 16 units. You know, even the best relationship, you still got to walk back into that business and look the guy in the eye and say, Listen. Listen, 15 years ago, this conversation would be laughable because I would be saying that you're making it up. It is very unfortunate to say that a 13 uh, uh, spot, stop set yeah, is, yeah. is something that occurs a it lot. It does. Now, now try listening to that same 13-unit uh, stop set on a stream, and yeah. you'll hear the same commercial three times, sometimes back-to-back, with the old PSA about, uh, I'm having a stroke. Right. And the other one, or, uh, staying alive is 120 beats per minute, PSA. And then there well, might be something local in there, but it takes forever. And it loses th that grip you have on the audience. Well, listen, I do a lot of writing for Radio Inc. and some other things as well. And, and I have written a piece. I want to see if you might agree with this. It is, my, it is one of my mantras with independent broadcasters. It's not just okay to say I'm not going to be like the big companies. I'm not going to do the, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to be live and local and all that. All that's good to say, right? Right. But it goes back to... <laughs> 
Now, now don't judge me. It goes back to Ric Flair. <laughs> if you want to beat the man, you got to be the man. That's and right. that, to me, means that local radio has to bring the things that you know are going to next level you in the community. Those relationships that you've talked about in the last hour here. Now, you know, whether it's sales, whether it's programming, whether it's an expectation, you have laid out some basic theory here that I think anybody can follow. Okay? Right. I think it's good. Now, listen, I do hope that you're going to stick around for some potential questions in our bonus round. Does that sound fair to you? It does. Can I add one more thing before we go there? I just oh, want to add one more you? thing. Yes. yes. Those commercial sets that I talked about, yes. it does me no good to limit them if the commercials are awful. So we have, <laughs> we have well-written, award-winning writers, and, and then we farm out the ads to professional VO people, and they send back the dry VO. We mix it down with the right music. Every commercial we air is approved by the client's copy and finished product before it airs. And that that goes miles away. It's like we want you to be really happy with this before it airs, but it's wonderfully produced, and it's it, it sounds like a big city radio station with a small-town approach. It sounds like it's supposed to. Like yeah. you're trying to local, not yokel. That's it. All right, listen. So get more free resources to help your sellers with our encouraging sales success series inside the blog at BrainMakerPathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. You can subscribe to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast and listen to the episodes in our large and growing archive. We have new episodes every single week. I guarantee you, you're going to be encouraged by. You will learn unexpected and valuable things from every individual episode. I feel like I should have called this podcast, wait for it, wait for it. But uh, that's because you get value from every single episode. Now, Brent, uh, I have two questions from our IM uh, um, category here. And the first one is, what advice do you have for any, I can't believe this. What advice do you have for anyone who's thinking about jumping across the street in this business since you have done it? Uh, well, make sure that you don't have an active non-compete because they're going to dig one up. I, I won't go into great detail, but before Cumulus, there was Citadel. Right. And I had a contract with Citadel that had a non-compete in it that was very, very old, and uh, I had to How defend my it, it, it. I probably, I could, I could spend an hour on this. I don't think it was, but lawyers got involved. It got resolved. But um, okay. I, I would definitely look at that uh, first and foremost, and whether or not getting fired does away with it or if you could quit and walk. Mm. All right. Last question. What's the difference in your previous job and your current job in Columbia, South Carolina? My, my, what's the difference between my previous job and this one? Yep. Um, I feel like I'm doing great radio and I'm happy and I, I feel, um, grateful just not only to still be doing it, but the quality broadcasters believed in me enough to, to not think I was washed up when the last one, because I didn't leave that job to come to this one. 
I went to something in between that I was looking mm -hmm. at that was outside of the, I, I thought I might be done. And uh, now I've been allowed to create something new that's, that's thriving, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, that makes you feel grateful for sure, right? Yeah, it's just, cool. um, it's awesome. Well, I do want to thank you for hanging out with us, and uh, I want to thank uh, people for tuning in every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, for our radio rally here on the Clubhouse app. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as our guest on the radio rally, you can have them email me, FORD at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. We Listen, we like to say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the radio rally, once you have a radio station, get anything else you want. If you need that translated, uh, Brent just sort of said it a little bit. He said there are more tentacles to radio now. I believe that is endless and that we can do anything. And Amen. so I do want to thank our very special guest, Brent Johnson, for being with us. He's being our patient and giving guest. A special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which should be available shortly. And thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do encourage sharing of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. You can find this on our website if you need to at RainmakerPathway.com. Of course, you can just subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it is going to be interesting for those who want to grow their careers in audio and in radio. Subscribe free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else that you heard tonight, be kinder than you have to be. Thanks for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.